The Hound of Baskervilles by A. Colin Doyle Chapter 4 Sir Henry Baskerville Our breakfast table was cleared early, and Holmes waited for his dressing ground for a promised interview. Our clients were punctually punctual to the appointment for the clock. It had just struck ten when Dr. Mortimer was shown up followed by a young baronet. The latter was a small, alert, dark-eyed man, about thirty years of age, very steadily built, thick black eyebrows, a strong punctuous in the face. He wore a rudely-tinted tweed suit for the weather-beaten parents, one who had spent most of his time in the open air. Yet there was something in his steady eye, quite short of his bearing, which indicated a gentleman. Is this Sir Henry Baskerville? said Dr. Mortimer. Why, yes, said he. And a strange thing is, Mr. Sherlock Holmes, that if my friend here had not proposed coming round to you this morning, I should have come in to my account, and suddenly think out little puzzles. I had one this morning, which wants more thinking out. I am able to give it. Pray take a seat, Sir Henry. Do. I understand you. To say that you have yourself had some remarkable experience since you arrived in London, nothing of such much importance, Mr. Holmes. Only joke. Like or not, it is this letter, if you could call it a letter, which reached me this morning. It laid an envelope upon the table. We all bent over it. It was a common quality, greyish in colour. Address Sir Henry Baskerville, Northumberland Hotel, printed in rough characters, postmark, Charing Cross, a date of posting the preceding evening. Who knew that you were going to the Northumberland Hotel? asked Holmes, cleaning, glancing cleanly across our visitor. No one could have known. We only started after I met Dr. Mortimer, but Dr. Mortimer was no doubt already stopping there. No, I've been staying with a friend, said Doctor. There's no possible indication he intended to go to this hotel. Hmm. Someone seemed to be very deeply interested in your movements. Out of the rope, he took a half sheet of foolscape paper folded in four. This he opened to spread flat upon the table. Across the middle of it, a single sentence which formed but they were evident by pasting printed words upon it. It read, "Is your value of life, or your reason, keep away from the more, more, and more." Only was was printed in ink. Now said Sir Henry Baskerville, "Perhaps you'll tell me, Mister Holmes, what the fun is the meaning of that, and who it is that takes so much interest in my affairs." What do you make of it, Doctor Mortimer? I must allow that there is nothing supernatural about that. This, at any rate. No, sir, it might very well come from someone who's convinced that the business is supernatural. What business, said Sir Henry sharply. Seems to me that you, all you gentlemen know a great deal more than I do about my own affairs. You'll share your knowledge before you leave this room. Sir Henry, I promise you that, said Sir Holmes. We can find ourselves the present with your permission to this very interesting document, which must have been put together and posted yesterday evening. Have you yesterday's times, Watson? It's there in the corner. Must I trouble you for it? The inside page, please, with the leading articles. Glanced slowly, swiftly over it, running up his eyes up and down the columns. Capital article, this free trade. Permit me to give you an extract from it. You may be controlled in imagining that your special trade or your own industry will be encouraged by a protective tariff, but it stands to reason that such education must in the long run keep away wealth from the country 
diminish the value of your of our impulse and lower their genuine conditions of life on this island. What do you think of that, Watson? cried Holmes in high glee, rubbing his hands together. Satisfaction. Do you think that's an invariable statement? So the Mordor looked at Holmes with an air of his professional interest. Sir Henry Bessergill turned a pair of puzzled dark eyes upon him. He, I don't know much about the tariff and things of that kind, he said. But it seemed to me they've got a bit of off the trail, so far as that note is concerned. On the contrary, I think we're particularly hot upon the trail, Sir Henry. Watson here knows more about my methods than you do. But I fear you've not quite grasped the significance of this sentence. No, I confess I do not see the connect, no connection. Yet, my dear Watson, there is very close to a connection. That is, one is as abstracted out of other. You, your, your life, reason, value, keep away from. Don't you see how whence these words have been taken by thunder? You're right. Well, if I wasn't, isn't that smart, cried Sir Henry. Any puzzled doubt remained, it is settled by the fact. Keep away of work from, or cut out in one piece. Now, now, so it is, really, Mr. Holmes. Seize anything which I could have imagined, said Dr. Mortimer, gazing at my friend amazement. Could I understand anybody, anyone saying that the words were the news, from a newspaper, they should name which an ad came from a the article. It's really one of the most remarkable things which I've ever known. How did you do it? I assume, Doctor, you can, could tell the skull of a negro from acrylamine. But certainly, but how? Because it's my special hobby. The differences are obvious. The superorbital crest, the facial angle, the mercury curve, the curve. That, but this is my special hobby. The differences are equally obvious. There's such difference, much difference of eyes between its lead bodorous type of article, Twelve article, is soberly print of an evening halfpenny paper. So there could be between your negro and your ephemeral Detection of types is one of the most elementary branches of knowledge. Special expert of crime, which I confess the once, which I was very young, I was confused of Blaise Mercury, the Western Morning News. But at the time, leader is utterly distinctly, distinctive. These words could have been taken from nothing else. Done yesterday in strong probability that we should find the words in yesterday's issue. As far as I could tell, follow you, then said Mr. Holmes, said Mr. Doctor, said Sir Henry Baskill. Someone cut out your this message with scissors. The old scissors, said Holmes. Now you can see that it was very short-handed, bladed scissors. Since a cutter had to take two snips, I would keep away. That is so, someone then cut out a message with a pair of short-bladed scissors, pasted it with paste. Gum, said Holmes. A gum on the paper? But I want to know why the word more would have been printed. Because he could not find it print. I could not find it print. The other words was very all simple. Found, might be found an issue, but more be less common. Why, of course, that would explain it. Have you read anything else in this message, Mister Holmes? There are two, one or two indications. Yet, almost pains, it almost pains have been taken to move the clue, all clues. Address you observe is printed in rough characters. Times, times of paper which seldom found in any hands, but those who are highly educated. We take it, therefore, the letter was posed by an educated man who wished to pose as an uneducated one. His effort to conceal his own writing suggests that writing might be known or come to be known by you. Again, you reserve the words, not gummed on an acute line, for some are much higher than other, 
Life, for example, is quite out of its proper place. Any point of carelessness or any may point of agitation hurry upon the part of Cutter. A whole way incline to a latter view, since the matter was evidently important, and unlikely the composer of such a letter would be careless. If he were in a hurry, it opens up the interesting question why he should be in a hurry since the letter posted up to the early morning would reach Sir Henry before he would leave this hotel. Did the composer fear an interruption from whom were coming now rather into regional guesswork, said Dr. Mortimer. Say rather into region where we balance probability and choose most likely. It is a scientific use of the imagination. We have always such material basis on which to start our speculation. Now you call, call it guess, no doubt, but I'm almost certain that this address been written in a hotel. How could it, how well could you say that? If you examine it carefully, you see that both the pen and ink have been given the writer, given the writer trouble. The pen has spluttered twice in a single word. I run dry three times in a short address, showing there were very little ink in the bottle. Now a private pen or ink bottle is seldom allowed to be such a state. Combination two must be very rare. We know that hotel ink and hotel pen, where it is rare to get anything else. Yes, I have a very little citation saying you find his own waste paper baskets, hotels around Charing Cross. So we found the remains of mutilated times. Later, we could lay our hands straight upon a person who sent this singular message. Hula, hula, what's this? He's carefully examining the full scalp upon which his words were pasted. Passed. Holding only an inch or two above his eyes, well, nothing, said he, said he throwing it down, so a blank half-sheet of paper, without even a watermark upon it. I think we are drawn as much as we can for this curious letter. Now, Sir Henry, has anything else of interest happened to you since you've been in London? Why, no, said Mr. Holmes, I think not. You have been not observed anyone follow you or watch you. I've been seen to have walked right into that thick of time, noble, said our visitor. Why in thunder should anyone follow watch me? We are coming to that. You have nothing else to report to us unless we go and go into this matter. Well, it depends upon what you think worth reporting. I think anything out of the ordinary routine is worth. Life is worth reporting. So Henry smiled. I don't know much of the latest life yet, but I spent nearly all my time in states and Canada. But I hope that to lose one of your books is not part of the ordinary routine of life out over here. You lost one of your boots? My dear sir, said Doc, cried Dr. Woodward. It's only mislaid. You will find it when you return to the hotel. When it's, what is the use of troubling Mr. Holmes with trifles of this kind? Well, he asked me of anything outside no ordinary routine. Exactly, said Holmes. Whatever, however foolish innocent may seem, you have lost one of your boots, you say? Well, mislaid it, anyhow. Put them both in outside the door last night, and there was only one in the morning. Could get no sense out of the chap with Clingdon. Worse than that, I only bought the pair last night in the Strand. I had never had them on. If you never had them on them, if you've never worn them, why did you put them out to be cleaned? The tan boots had never been varnished. That was why I put them out. Did I understand that right on your arrival in London yesterday you went out at once and brought a pair of boots? I did a, I did a great good deal of shopping, Doctor Mortimer. Yeah, went round with me. 
You see, if I am to be squire down here, I must dress the part. It may be that I've got a little careless in my ways out west, among other things. But these, those brown boots save, gave six dollars for them. And I had one stolen before I ever had them on my feet. It seems a singular and illusious thing to steal, said Sherlock Holmes. Chris, I share Dr. Moodle's belief. It will not be long before the missing boot is found. And how, gentlemen, said the baronet with decision, seems to me I have spoken quite enough. But little that I know, it's time you kept your promise and give me full account of what we're driving at. Your request is a very reasonable one, Holmes answered. But Moodle, I think you might not could not do this better than tell your old story as you told it to us. Thus encouraged, our scientific friend drew his paper from his pocket, presented the whole case as it had been done upon the morning before. So only Baskerville listened with the deepest attention, but occasional explanation surprised. I seemed to have come into an adherence of vengeance, said he. When the long narrative was finished, I've also heard of the hound ever since it was in the nursery. It's a pet story of the family, though I never thought of taking it seriously before. But it's of my uncle's death, where it all seems boiling up in my head. I can't get it clear yet. Why don't you don't seem to quite made your mind up whether it's a case of policeman or clergyman precisely. Now there's an affair this affair of the letter to me, hotel, I suppose, that fits into its place. Seems to show that someone knows more than we do about what goes on upon the moor. For Dr. Mortimer, also said Holmes, someone's not ill suppose towards you, since you warn you of danger, or may be their wish for their own purposes to scare me away. Well, of course, but that, that is possible also. I'm very much indebted to you, Dr. Mortimer. You introduced me to a problem which presents several interesting alternatives. From a practical point, which we have to decide, Sir Henry, if ever it is not advisable for you to go to Rexgill Hall. Why should I not go? It seems to be a danger. You mean danger from this family friend? Or do you mean danger for human beings? Well, that's what we have to find out. Wherever there is, my answer's fixed. There is no devil in hell, Mr. Holmes. There is no man upon earth who could prevent me from going to my home, my own people. You may take that to my, my final answer. Your dark brows knitted. His face flushed a dusky red as he spoke. Even the furry temple of the Baskills were not distinct in their last representative. Meanwhile, said he, I've hardly had time to think over all you have told me. Big thing for a man to have understood. And I stand aside of one sitting. I should like to have a quiet hour by myself to make my mind fight my mind. Now look here, Mr. Holmes. It's half past eleven now. I'm going back right away to my tail. Suppose you and your old friend Dr. Watson come round and lunch with me to us too. I'll be able to tell you how more exactly than how this thing strikes me. Is that convenient for you, Watson? Perfectly. Then you respect us? May respect us. Shall I have a cab called further walk for this affair as flurried me in rather? I join you for a walk with pleasure, said his companion. And we meet again at two o'clock of a viewer. And good morning. We heard the steps of visitors descend the stair, and bang at the front door. In an instant, Holmes changed from languid dreamer to man action. Your hat and boots, Watson. Quick, not a moment to lose. He rushed into his room, dressed again, was back again. A few seconds of frock coat, carried together down the stairs into the state. Dr. Morton Beskill was still visible, at two hundred yards ahead of us, in the direction of Oxford Street. 
So I run out and stop them, not for the world, my dear Watson. I'm perfectly satisfied your company, if you will, will tolerate mine. A friend's a wise, Freddy. It's certainly fine morning for a walk. He quickened his pace until he had ceased. Decreased the discipline which divided us by t- t- half. It was then still keeping a hundred yards behind, followed into Oxford Street, so down Regent Street, since our friends stopped and stared at the shop window upon which Holmes did the same. Instant afterwards, gave a little cry of satisfaction, followed the direction of his eager eyes, saw that handsome cab, a man inside, which halted on the other side of the street, and now proceeded slowly onward again. There's our man, Watson, come along, have a good luck. Have a good look at him, but he can do no more. At that instant, as well, a bushy black beard, pair of piercing eyes, turned upon us from the side window of the cab. Instantly, the trap door of the shop blew up. Something was, something has was screamed to the driver. Cab flew madly off down Major Street. Holmes looked eagerly round for the other, but no empty, but no empty one was in sight. They. Holmes looked eagerly round for another, but no empty one was in sight. He dashed in by pursuit, amid the stream traffic, but the start was too great. Already the cab was out of sight. Now, now, here now, said Holmes bitterly, as he emerged, panting and well, white with vexation, the ties of tied the vehicles. Well, there's much, ever much bad luck on such bad management, too, Watson. What's the new honest man? Will you call this also set? Against my successes, who has, who was that man? Have I had an idea, spy? Well, if it evident from what we heard about that Bascom been very closely shadowed by someone since he'd been in town, how else could he be known so quickly as in the Northumberland Hotel, which he had chosen? They had not only, they had followed him for the first day. I argued, they had followed him also for the second. You may have observed that I was twice drawn over to the window, while well, Dr. Mortimer was ready in his legend. Yes, I remember. Looking out for loiterers to the street, but I saw none. We're dealing with clever man, Watson. This man cuts this matter cuts very deep and for oh, not finally made up my mind whether it's relevant or relevant. Agency which is in touch of us. I am conscious always of power and design. When our friends left I at once followed them, hopes of marking down the invisible attendant. So while he was he that he had not trusted himself upon foot, but he availed himself to a cab so he could loiter behind or dash past them, so to escape their notice. His method had an advantage advantage. If he were to take a cab, he was already, already to follow them. It was, however, one obvious disadvantage. He puts him in the power of a cabman, exactly, while Pedri did not get in the number. My dear Watson, clumsy they have been. You surely do not seriously imagine elected to get the number. Number 2704 is our man, but what? That is no use for us at the moment. I fail to see how you could have done more. I was over in the cab. I should have instantly turned and walked to the direction. I should have, my leisure, hired a second cab and followed the first disrespectable distance. I better still to have driven up to Northumberland Hotel, waited there, went on unknown and followed. Biscuit home, he should have the opportunity of playing his own game for himself and seeing where he'd made for for. As it is by indiscreet eagerness, which has taken advantage with extraordinary quickness and energy on our opponent, we betrayed ourselves and lost our man. Been sauntering slowly down the Regent Street. During this conversation, Dr. Mortimer 
with his companion and long vanished in front of us. There is no object to our following no object to our following them. So Holmes and Shadow departed and will not return. We must see what further cards we have in our hands to play them with decision. Could you could you swear to the man's face within the cap? I could only swear only to the beard, and so could I, from which I gathered that his own properties was a fake one. Clever man upon so delicate an errand, no use for the beard, say you could steal his features. Come in here, Mr. Watson. He turned into one of the district messenger offices, where he warmly greeted by the manager. Oh, well, witness them. I see you've not forgotten the little case in which I had a good fortune to help you. No, sir, indeed, I will not. You say my good name, and perhaps my life. A dear fellow, you exaggerate. I have some recollection. Wilson, 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 have you among, had you among your boys a lad named Cartwright, who showed some ability to investigate? Yes, sir. He's still with us. Good, you bring him up. Thank you. I could be glad to give you change for this five-pound note. A lad of fourteen, a bright, keen face, and a blade, a summons of a manager. He stood... A glance, lazy, with great reverence, a famous detective. Let me have the hotel directory, said Holmes. Thank you, now quite right. Are the names of two of three hundred hotels here, all in immediate neighbourhood of Rowan Cross. Do we see? Yes, sir. You visit each one in turn. Yes, sir. You begin the, in each case by giving a boat sample to one shilling. Here are twenty-three shillings. Yes, sir. Returning him. You want to see the waste paper of yesterday. You were saying you're an important telegram. And an important telegram was it was carried. You were looking for it. You understand? Yes, sir. But what you were really looking for are the central pages of Times with some holes cut in it with scissors. Here's a copy of the Times that is a page. You were easy forget you could easily forget it. Recognise it. Could you not? Yes, sir. In each case, the outside porter would send for the hall porter, to whom you also give a shilling. Here, twenty-three shillings. You will then learn, impossibly, twenty-three, twenty cases out of twenty-three, that the waste of the day, before being buried or burnt, removed. In the three other cases, you will be shown a heap of paper. That you will look up, you will look from for this page of Thames among it. Odds extremely against you finding it. There are ten shillings. Over in case of emergencies, let me have a report by Maya at Baker Street for evening. Now, Watson, there remains for us to find out by wire. Dented the cabman, number two seven zero four. Then we will drop into one of the Bow Street picture galleries and fill in the time to be due at the hotel.